Can you see the light through the darkness that is in our world? Is Jesus still the light of our world? Do we acclaim Jesus here among us as the light of our lives? Our lives should reflect God's light on all people near and far. There's quite a bit to unpack in today's reading. We know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and we know that he grew up in Nazareth. And now we know that the people of the town rejected him. So let's start with Jesus' baptism and why John the Baptist was put in prison. The Bible tells us that Jesus left Nazareth and went to the River Jordan where he was baptized by John. You may remember that upon his baptism, the heavens opened up and a white dove descended upon Jesus while God's voice from heaven was heard saying, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. After the baptism, Jesus spent 40 days in solitude. Then he returned to Nazareth while John the Baptist continued his discipleship preaching the word of God. But when John was condemned, Herod Antip- when John, excuse me, condemned Herod Antipas's marriage to Herodias as illegal because she was the ex-wife of his half-brother Philip Herodias. Herodias had her husband throw John in prison. After spending 40 days in solitude, Jesus returned to Nazareth, but the people of Nazareth greeted him with skepticism and with outrage. It is said that the townspeople became offended and they rejected his ministry. Mark 6.1 says the skeptics asked, Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And they took offense at him. Luke describes the crowd as being filled with rage as they proceeded to drive Jesus out of town. You see, the people of that time were defined by their families. Jesus did not come from a line of teachers or preachers. He was not a scribe. He wasn't a priest. His father, Joseph, was a carpenter. He was opposed, and he was persecuted by the religious leaders and the teachers of that time. But this didn't stop Jesus. He continued preaching and performing miracles. As told in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There are no commandments greater than these. In response to their disbelief, Jesus quoted the proverb about having no honor in his hometown. Mark 6, 4 tells us, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives in his household. This was the beginning of his rejection, the rejection that would continue to face him in the future. In this morning's reading, we learn that after Jesus heard that John the Baptist was in prison, he left his hometown of Nazareth again, and he traveled approximately 43 miles, which was probably a four-day trek to the fishing village of Capernaum. In modern times, Capernaum is known as the town of Jesus. In the Greek language, Capernaum means village of comfort. But Capernaum wasn't always a village of comfort. A little history about the village of Capernaum. It is located in in the Galilee region, once occupied by the uh, the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali. 
These men were the brothers of Joseph, who they had had sold into slavery in Egypt. One of the things that made life difficult for the people of Zebulon and Naphtali was that the soldiers from other nations kept marching through their little village on the way to other places, causing all sorts of destruction and death. They couldn't get to Jerusalem through the huge Arabian desert, so how did they get there? They marched through the areas of Zebulun and Naphtali, constantly crushing and decimating the town. This constant destruction must have led the people to wonder why this kept happening to them, why God didn't give them a break and help them. You see, they were living in darkness at that time. Matthew tells us about Jesus' travel and his ministry in Capernaum. Scripture promised a great light would dawn in this region. Galilee is the city that was thought of as dark because of its nearness to the Gentile nations and its distance from Jerusalem. However, it was said to be the region in which the light of the Messiah would first shine brightly, fulfilling an ancient prophecy about the Messiah. This prophecy is found in Isaiah. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Matthew's gospel cites this verse to describe Roman rule as darkness and death. It positions Jesus at the beginning of his public ministry as the light or the saving presence that shines in the darkness. Jesus asserted God's light and saving rule in Galilee. But let's get back to Jesus choosing Capernaum. The village was located on the Sea of Galilee. It was in close proximity to Galen in Bashan. Galen was one of the six cities of refuge. You see, Herod Antipas ruled Galilee, and he persecuted the followers of Jesus. As we heard earlier, this included John the Baptist. Herod Philip II, however, ruled Gaulin, and he did not persecute the Christians. It was close enough that Jesus could easily travel from Capernaum to Gaulin in times of danger. Capernaum was also a fishing village located on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. The area was known to be a busy village with a road leading to Damascus, which made it <clears throat> busy with trade. It was here that Jesus would reach and minister to many people traveling through and spread his message. He performed many miracles in this region, including healing of the sick and rising of the dead. It was also here in Capernaum, on the Sea of Galilee, that Jesus chose his 12 apostles. Five of them, namely Peter, Andrew, James, John, and Matthew, came from around the area of Capernaum. The others, with the exception of Judas Iscariot, came from the area of Galilee. Most of us remember an account from Luke 5 wherein Jesus taught people from a boat on the shore on the Sea of Galilee. The boat belonged to Peter, who, along with his friends, had fished all night without catching anything. After Jesus finished teaching, he told the men to take the boat into deep water and to cast their nets. Well, they caught so many fish that the nets began to break and the boats began to sink. The fish filled both boats so heavily. Peter and his friends were amazed. They knew that Jesus had made this happen, and Peter knelt by the Savior's feet, proclaiming that he was not worthy to be near Jesus. However, Jesus told Peter, 
Do not be afraid. Two of Peter's friends, James and John, as we learn, they were brothers. They were the sons of Zebedee. Jesus told all three men, Peter, James, and John, to follow him and to become fishers of men. The men left everything they had. They left their homes, their livelihoods, and they left their family, including their father Zebedee, to go with Jesus. The Savior also asked the other men to follow him. Jesus prayed all night before choosing and ordaining 12 men who he would anoint as priests. And even more, he gave them the authority to be his apostles. He prayed so that he would choose the right men to lead his church. This question has been asked many times before, but I'll ask it again. Can you imagine leaving everything behind to follow a man that you just met? Leaving your home, your family, your livelihood? I'm pretty certain Jesus didn't say, come with me. I will pay you a lot more than you can earn casting these nets. I will put you up in the most glorious of hotels and feed you the best food in the best restaurants. Yet these men saw Jesus. They saw his miracles, and they had faith. They had faith in our Lord. But how does this morning's reading relate to us today? Lately, our our world has been tumultuous, to say the least. There are so many differences of opinion between people, but everybody has a right to their voice, casting their opinions on others. Let's just take a look at the past couple of years with COVID. I think we can all agree that there was a virus out there, and it probably still is there. But everywhere you turn, someone has an opinion on how to respond to this virus. Some believe the way to stay healthy is to take advantage of a vaccine, while others believe that the long-term effects of the vaccine weren't studied enough. Some people prefer to wear a mask, while others comment that masks never worked. What seems to be lacking here is the respect for another person's opinion. And how about politics? Years ago, you never knew what political party your parents belonged to, let alone your neighbors. Today, both parties are so polarizing that conversations regarding political agendas quickly turn into disagreements. And I won't even point out any topics of discussion that are being thrown out in Washington. Who knows what's right and wrong these days? I don't know what the answers are. But what I do think is that very few people are in a place where they can respect another's opinion differing from their own. What was that old saying? Silence is golden. For the past year, there has been a war in Ukraine where innocent people are dying every day, including soldiers on both sides of this fight. And in the Middle East, people are persecuted. Women are punished or killed for not wearing their headdress. Others are persecuted just for being athletes. This is 2023. One would think that the world could learn to live in peace by now. As a country, there is discussion of a recession. Prices of food and gasoline are increasing. Food is getting harder to afford, and homes are becoming more expensive to heat. Here in the United States, I feel that we have been so blessed that we are literally spoiled. It seems that although we don't always have everything we want, most of us have what we need. We have heard many times that God will provide, but it's important to remember that he provides us with what we need not necessarily with what we want. The light in our world has been dimming. It's getting dark 
everywhere we look. Some of us are hungry, others may be sick. We all have our own personal problems that we bring to the table. But what caused this tumult in our world? For one thing, I believe most of us are guilty of trying to give the next generation more than the last one had. Jesus taught his apostles to be fishers of men. It is up to us to teach our children to fish as well. And yet, in times when we wish to hold on tight to our own fishing nets and to the sides of our boat, we are reminded of the words of the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King that preached in a sermon in 1963. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. The true neighbor will risk his position, his prestige, and even his life for the welfare of others. In other words, love your neighbor as yourself. Quite fitting as we just celebrated his life and his legacy. But as I talk about opinions, some people have taken prayer or even a moment of silence out of public places. I've said it before, and at the risk of repeating myself, many people don't think it's necessary to join a church, attend a service, or teach religion to their children. A church is so much more than just a building. It's the people, the people who hold it together. It's the core in our faith. This morning, we learned the significance of the Holy Spirit in baptism. But even so, I've heard people say their children will choose when they're older. No, they won't. If they're not introduced to our Lord, what is there to choose from? But with all that said, I think that we are finally having some good news. I am beginning to see some light in our paths. Personally, I'm feeling a shift, and I pray that I'm right. I've heard journalists talk about faith on national television. They openly mention Jesus and prayer, something that has been taboo for a very long time. I've seen posts on social media that talk about the importance of God in our lives. These are not intended to be religious posts or advertisements. They're just typical current events and news-related posts. One journalist wrote, people are talking about the power of God, that God is real on public television, and it's being embraced, not criticized. A couple of weeks ago, Damar Hamlin, a football player for the Buffalo Bills, was injured on the field and went into cardiac arrest. The public was asked to pray for him, and I heard on the radio recently that people are no longer holding back from mentioning God's name. And more importantly, there has been no backlash when God's name was mentioned. Let's pray that this trend continues. As for Damar, it seems those prayers were answered, as his recovery was what doctors deemed remarkable. So where does all this lead us? Jesus is calling each of us to be his disciples. You may recall that a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Debbie preached on Jesus' baptism. In her sermon, she quoted the mission of the United Methodist Church. Does anybody remember what that is? Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. John 12, 26 states, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. You're probably thinking, what does it really mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? It's easy. It begins with faith, faith in our Lord. Let's ask ourselves these questions. One, 
Do I love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength? Two, do I love my neighbor as myself? So I ask you over there and over there, and you over there, are you sitting in darkness? Do you know that a new light is dawning? Can you feel the light on your face? What about you? Can you feel the light in your soul? If you answered yes to these questions, you are disciples of Jesus. Get up, embrace the light, shout, and sing for joy. Let us spread the good news proclaimed by God of light and love. How can you spread the word? You might be thinking there is no way that I will stand up there and read, let alone give a sermon. Well, the good news is you don't have to. What you have to do first is believe and live a life that is true to God. It's that easy. It's simple. When you lead your life with love and confidence in our Lord, the light in your life will shine and others will follow you. I might be dating myself here, but does anybody remember the old Fabergé organic shampoo commercial? There was always a beautiful woman with long blonde hair. And the ad claimed that if you tell two friends and you tell two friends, they'll tell two friends. Well, simply put, that's all it takes to be a disciple of Christ. If you tell two friends, they'll tell two friends, and so on and so on. The good news of his word will begin to spread. John 8.12 states that when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of light. Let's gather together and make a difference in our world today. Let's go forth and let Jesus' light shine on each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Light has dawned in our lives and in our world. We are called to share that light and to speak words of comfort and calling in a world shrouded, still in gloom and darkness. Our offering will enable this community to be a beacon of light to those caught in the darkness of suffering and wandering.